You are listening to Legion of Substitute Podcasters, episode 652. Legion of Superheroes, volume 4, issue 45. Mo members, mo problems. Welcome to episode 652 of Legion of Substitute Podcasters. I am Paul French, and today I am, well, once again, digging in the dirt, dude. Oh. It, was, uh, it was more uh, more gardening today, more getting the uh, all the raised beds sorted out and filled with dirt. I had a huge bag of dirt in the driveway, and, um, well, it it's all empty. Mainly because I was so worried that if we didn't get around to it, it would be there until October. And... Um, and so, no, I instead uh, got in there, got it all done today. Uh, my back is paying for it, uh, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay, because it's done. Did you put some uh, Tiger Balm on that right there? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not that bad. <laughs> uh, you got the icy hot then, okay. okay. <laughs> the icy hot. I didn't. I, I didn't realize that as, was a as thing. As you get older, you acquire more liniment cream for the backside. <laughs> just well, saying. Well, there is all that. Just so, saying. Not anyway, no, but just just saying. <laughs> so now all we have to do is, uh, you know, get the uh, get the stuff out of our little greenhouse shelf in here and uh, and out there into the wild, uh, so that it can start. Uh, it can start bearing fruit, or in most cases, bearing vegetables. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that's my uh, that's my week. Okay, you you said it, so I'm going to ask you a very ignorant question because I've only known you as a Canadian for our entire friendship, Paul. Yeah. What <laughs> fruits grow in Canada? I'm guessing apples would grow in Canada. Apples, strawberries, all, all, all manner of berries. All the berries, all the all cold the berries, berries. You know. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. I'm sure there to Google that shit. I'm sure there are places where they uh, where they do the others as well. Um, really? Uh, but really, you know, the berries, the the uh, the apples, they're pretty much the only fruits in which I participate anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I mean, so really, fruit snob is what you would say. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if I don't know if I could call it that. Just uh, just a general disinterest in. It's not that I think some fruit is better than others. It's that I've got no interest in most of it. <laughs> ah, fair enough. It's a texture thing for me. A lot of fruits, it's too squishy. It's just, yeah, ugh. yeah, and um, yeah. and I, and I don't, thing. I don't have a texture sweet tooth. I, I, I don't have mm. a sweet tooth, so that kind of knocks some of it out for me as well. But uh, instead, it is, um, you know, basically a. Uh, um, a garden full of things that I can put into stews and soups and the like. And uh, so that's always good. Well, just remember chocolate grows on trees. So when you have chocolate, it's actually a fruit and or vegetable. Well, so that's important. This is true. This is it true. is very true. The more you know, kids, the more you know. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> Over to you, sir. Bad diet habits since. Anyway. Hi everybody, I am Darren Noel, and I've been waiting for uh, Godot all weekend. Now I've been waiting for uh, some symptoms because I got my second shot, my second 
Ouchie, ouchie. Ouchie, ouchie, yeah. Um, so that's all done. Um, yay. And I just, like, right before the podcast started, like, around 9 o'clock, I started to get a throbbing vein on the side of my forehead. And I'm like, oh, that's that feels like a headache coming on, so I popped two Tylenol. I feel fine now. The Tylenol is taking effect. Everything is okay. And we're all good. We're all good in the world right now. So, yay. Excellent. Now the battle is uh, persuading my uh, extended family to get their shots done. And that good luck is a mountain that I must climb. No, I, I put it to them very simply. Do you want to see me again? Yes or no? Yeah, that's exactly how I put it. There you go. Yeah, it's been a year. I'm fine. <laughs> I, I'll keep calling you. But uh, if you want to actually physically have me in your presence, time for the shots, kids. <sighs> and anywho, <laughs> over to you, Mr. Travis. Hey everybody, this is Travis Illisor, and this past week I was where there's smoke, there's fire, lad. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so the other day, uh, I, I live in an apartment. It's a second floor apartment. I live on the back side of a building, and I face a wooded area. It's kind of nice, but I have to go out on the balcony when I go to do laundry because you walk out on the balcony and there's like a closet area to the side, and that's where the washing machine and dryer are. So it's a, you know, it's a afternoon, quiet afternoon. I walk out there, I'm doing a little laundry, and I smell a little smoke, and I look, and I see coming through the breezeway out the back of the building, a bunch of smoke, and I'm like, man, somebody's grilling, and they're just burning up all their food. Mm. And then I look, and I'm like, that is a lot of smoke. Hmm, let me go look. So I walk out the door go down the steps and i'm coming to the front of the building and i just hear all this crackling and i'm like that's not good and i look to the side and they recently put down some uh some wood chip mulch around the flower beds in front of the building yeah. and those are doing the crackling big time and a fire has somehow gotten over all this new wood chips and it's going up into the bushes and it's about two feet from our building Eep. And I was like, oh, let me run back up and grab my phone. And for the first time in my life, I got to call 911. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. And I, I didn't know how that went, but they were like, hey, is this a police fire or medical? And I said, fire. They said, hold. Boom. Fire. They like, what's your address? Told them. And luckily, the fire. I have a fire station about two miles from where I live. So they were there very quickly. And uh just got out the the small hose and put it out. It wasn't because it still wasn't to the building, so it wasn't too big a deal. I talked to the fireman for a little bit, and he was trying to figure out what caused it. And his best guess was there's a sidewalk that goes in front. He's like, somebody probably just threw a cigarette butt in threw there. A and cigarette it, out. Yep. Yeah, and it just hit hit it just right. Wow. Because they also had been painting the our building, so mm. there was some paint that had gotten on some of the bushes, and the paint on the bushes just made them like go on fire even worse yeah so uh anyway i was like the only one in the building then during that afternoon because i you know i work from home i'm here by my you know everyone else goes off to work mm -hmm. so luckily i was here and caught that wow uh but it's anyway you you do laundry Travis. yes That's yes thing. yeah remember kids do your laundry <laughs> do your laundry save your home doing prevent, laundry saves lives prevent fires exactly <laughs> So, anyway, that was my excitement for the week. Yeah, that's uh, that's exciting. That's for <laughs> sure. So over to you, Michael. Hi, everybody. I'm Michael Grabois, and I uh, 
have not called 911 this week. Yay! Um, <laughs> but uh, this week I am vacation planning lad. Um, finally getting back into some sense of normalcy, thinking about the future now that uh, uh, my family is all vaccinated and my friends are in the process of getting vaccinated. Yay. So we're working on a, uh, a wedding in Chicago in May, which we were originally not going to go to um, or not invited to. And then apparently the venue said invite more people for vaccinated. So we got on that list. Uh, another trip. So that's in May, a trip in June to Michigan uh, and a trip in July to Vegas with my regular group. And then possibly a fourth trip, either to Alaska or Hawaii, for my dad's 80th birthday. Very cool. Nice. So, uh, been working on uh, hotels and plane fares. And fortunately, uh, I have other people to manage everything. I don't have to do it all myself. Um, but it's uh, another sign of uh, the spring renewal coming out of this very long winter. Uh-huh. Nice. And so that's it for me. Uh, over to you, Jim. Hey, everyone. I am Jim Purcell, and this week I have been someone check the temperature in hell, kid. <laughs> I'm um, sorry, sir. You don't live below the Mason-Dixon. <laughs> yeah. Being too cold or too hot? Oh, it's way too cold. Oh, okay. You can have that part. Yeah. So here's the deal. I've talked at length about my various media passions. I don't shut up about Savage Dragon or Judge Dredd or even the Legion of Superheroes. But there is another pillar of, of like fantasy science fiction media that I'm way into that I don't get a chance to talk much about. And that is known as Macross. So, so here's the thing. I heard about this. Yeah, so let me just do the crib note version because it'll be here forever if I try to like explain all of it. Uh, Macross was a TV series created in 1982, uh, an anime in Japan, uh, that got brought over to the United States in 1985, uh, renamed Robotech. Uh-huh. Uh, yes, yeah, so it was in, it was brought over by a company called Harmony Gold, and it was very popular. It was a it's a sci it's a space opera, uh, um, space opera war story. The, its main hook is that its uh, its space sh- its space fighters are F-16s that turn into giant robots. Yeah, they're mechas. They're mechas. Uh, it it pioneered a lot of stuff on uh, children's television. Well, uh, that wasn't you know very prevalent at the time with mature plot lines, war stories, death of characters, that sort of thing. So Robotech became a smash hit. So also. Robotech wasn't just uh, an adaptation of Macross. It was actually a, a, a amalgamation homunculus of three different unrelated anime uh, to create one huge show for the for the English speaking audience. So it was heavily edited, uh, heavily uh, modified, rewritten to fit. Mm-hmm. So anyway, flash forward some years, and Robotech's existence creates a massive logjam because. In North America, Robotech as a franchise continued with a couple of other like iterations, uh, a movie and a couple of comic book spinoffs and stuff. But in Japan, the Macross uh, part of the show continued to be a franchise of its own with three or four or five different 
uh, TV series and movies. But Harmony Gold, the company, the U.S. company, withheld all of the rights to the uh, the Macross name and many of its mecha designs, which prevented uh, Macross uh, uh, shows and stuff from being brought to North America and dubbed and subbed in English. And this has been an ongoing problem for almost 30 to 40 years. Yeah, it doesn't and surprise me. So big fans of Macross, not Robotech, but Macross, has been an ongoing frustration that our one of our favorite anime science fiction space opera series is simply not allowed to exist in English. So we've spent the last uh, you know this all this time pirating the shows from Japan because it's literally the only way we get to watch them. Uh-huh. So the news finally broke this week that Harmony Gold, the U.S. company, and Big West, the Japanese company that controls Macross, have finally come to an agreement to get the fuck out of each other's way. Because Harmony Gold, <laughs> Harmony Gold has wanted to make a Hollywood Robotech movie for decades now, and it's finally moving forward. But uh, Big West was going to kind of like cause problems legally speaking in doing so because again they'd be using some of their, you know, their 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 uh, copyrighted stuff. So Harmony Gold and Big West have decided to uh, let Harmony Gold make the Hollywood money, and Big West can finally make the anime money. And anyone who's followed this story over the decades will realize how massive this is. Mm-hmm. How and it's just it's just was it, it caught me off guard because I never thought this would happen. Um, two years ago, there was an opportunity that the license was going to lapse, and we'd finally get a chance to get this stuff into America. But unfortunately, at the very last minute, it got re-upped because. In a, in a complicated wrinkle, there's another party in play, and that party was the one who kept re-upping the rights and making the problem. But finally, that is no longer an issue. And finally, one of the greatest space opera franchises of all time will finally be in English and available to watch in North America. There are no details on when that's going to happen, but it appears to be happening sometime soon. Woohoo! So, Nice. Well, yes, woohoo indeed. I mean, I mean, I, I'm familiar because I posted something on uh, Facebook this weekend about, hey, which do you like best, Speed Racer, Battle of the Planets, or Star Blazers? And of course, the Battle of the Planets that we saw is heavily edited with um, the robot character and the little robot dog because everything is about Star Wars. And they had to edit Seven Zark Seven. Yeah, they had to edit some of that heavy Japanese stuff out. And there's actually a YouTube out there of um, what a Battle of the Planets ending show looked like versus the edited version. <laughs> right. It's two lovers who basically agree to kill themselves in a suicide pact versus the English or American version, which has them kiss and then it cuts to Center <laughs> Neptune. And the robot says, well, yes, um, uh, Rover. They they went off into space and they are in love with each other now and they'll continue on. It's like that is not what the explosion at the end of that episode portended in the original Japanese. So well, one of the most interesting to watch the originals. It, it really was very com- it, it was very common for shows to get edited dramatically because of the violence and the uh, adult themes. Uh, Voltron in particular is very notorious. When it started, there were five dudes piloting the robot. Yeah, at some point, was a woman at one point, right? And then, the, and then at some point, the one of the, one of the dudes 
he gets hurt and has to go off to a hospital and get replaced by the princess. Ah. Only in Japan, that dude is in the ground. He is oh. dead. <laughs> he, he is an ex-Voltroner. <laughs> oh, take a drink. Take a drink. I mean, it's just fascinating to watch all this stuff, you know, from the adult perspective and go, huh. And then now, my new favorite thing, um, spoilers, but there's a show on Disney Plus. You may have heard of it, Winter Falcon. Um, <laughs> as the the name of the show is just the Icy Bird Show. The Icy Bird Show. Disney Plus showed a really graphic image this past week, um, which I don't have a problem with that image. The problem I have is the fact that Disney also has some other stuff in its canon that they're not putting on Disney Plus because it is a little too LGBT for their platform. But they're fine with showing that last frame of Icy Bird, which I find horribly would be horribly bad for like little kids to see, you know, versus, you know, something that's like a cute dating story. So, you know, I have issues. I have issues with that. No, no warning at all on that either. It was just like, here's an episode. Da, 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 da. I'm trying to remember what it was that was uh, so shocking, and I. You don't, rem- you don't remember well, the ending. It may not. It may not have been shocking to us as comic book fans. Oh yeah, we've seen this before. But on Disney Plus, to see what happened at the end of Icy Bird in this last oh. episode, hmm. the very end, like the very very end. Yeah. Was a little. When they showed the credits in Japanese. No, stop it. Oh. Uh, <laughs> When, when they showed what I'm, I'm, I'm not calling him Cap. I'm calling him U.S. Agent because in my mind he's not Cap. Yeah. When, when you see what Cap did to the guy, right? Yes. That's really graphic for a Disney. Yeah. Plat. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not shocking to us because we've seen worse in Marvel. You know, God knows. Yeah. Um, but that was just like, huh. They went there, and they needed to go there plot-wise, no Absolutely. doubt. But, and I'm not saying that's a, not a bad thing, but they could have propped a warning on there for, hey, if you have kids under, like, the ages of seven who play with shields, maybe not watch this one. <laughs> Dad might wake up with a little problem. You some know? S- you some sort of dis- second base. Some what? sort of disclaimer. <laughs> uh, I remember back when Battlestar Galactica 2004 was airing on TV, and what would happen is you'd go on commercial break, and when you came back, it would give you a parental guidance and suggested message, and that's how you knew shit was about to get real. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, it was like... Okay, here's the boss room. Because <laughs> shit is about to go down. And it did. So, yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Good times. Good times. I got a Disney dig in. We're not even done with the intros. I no, know, we still got one, right? one more. That's right. I think, I think one more. Yes. Yeah. Did he go to sleep? Is he no, awake? Yes. Okay, yeah, um, I'm Brent Brickhill, and today I am Books of Magic. Um, last Thursday and Friday, I spent my evenings um, at the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child um, theatre production, um, which was five hours of sitting in a chair. It's uh, quite a long production, but I absolutely loved it. It was 
A, great to be able to get to the theatre and actually be out doing the sort of stuff we used to do about a year ago. Um, and B, it was full of Harry Potter magic. Um, and there was a byline. It was interesting when you went to the bathroom um, in the show, there was a big sign up saying, keep the secret. So I won't tell you mm. too much about it, but it really is like book eight of the series. And um, there was Quidditch, Marauder's Maps, Polyjuice Potions, Patronus Spells, and many other great Harry Potter things. So if it comes your way, check it out. Very nice. It was great. <laughs> and nice. what's what you're saying about small children, because one of my students was sitting a couple of froes in front of me, and there were some pretty terrifying scenes in this play. So, um, you know, it, it needs a parental guidance warning as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny the moments when you think of that you need parental guidance warnings and then you don't get them, and then there's then you get them. And you're like, what was the, what was the big deal about this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? Who's making these decisions in in standards and practices? Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise known as the censorship shop. Yeah. Like, uh, which and, is usually and, one person. Not, and not are the, there any actual standards and practices? And practices. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, hey, is there any Legion news this week? I have not heard of any. Nope. The only news is that there's I no news. A, well, I got a sort of quasi kind of sort of Legionnaire adjacent appearance. Um, in the aforementioned Falcon and Winter Soldier, we saw Arm Fall Off Boy. <laughs> I, you know, I, I saw you post about that earlier and I'm like, I bet he brings that up as Legion news. And then you yep. didn't. And I thought, okay, well, there we go. <laughs> hey, he's he as close to, to the punch. Didn't he's, he? as, he, he's, if you'll pardon the expression. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. Nice. Um, there was also a distant sort of, well, some people thought it was um, Legion news in the new Green Lantern series. I have no idea what volume they're up to, but it's a new number one. Um, there was a United Planets focus to the issue and um, several of the planets got a mention. Um, there were Colluans, um, creature like Zimmer appeared, Bismol and Daxum got a mention. So a bit distant, though. I think we're really scratching for um, Legion news at the yeah. moment. Yeah, it's called <laughs> the, the breadcrumbs again, yeah. where we are again. Exactly. Here, oh. Maybe if we mention this third planet that uh, that appeared in this one Legion tale, those guys on that podcast will pick up the issue. Be, yeah, exactly. And the like, answer no, is no. No, DC. <laughs> no. Sorry. Fool me, fool me uh, once. Fool me once with Doomsday Clock. No, sir. Yeah. No, sir. Yeah. I say. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, me Doomsday Clock times. was more than just, like a passing reference to the UP. It was more than a passing reference to the Legion, which came to nothing. So, whatevs. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Nah, nah, sir. I say to thee, no. <laughs> I say thee, nay. You get nothing, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, why don't we then get into this issue? Woohoo! what an issue it is. And, uh, and Brent's going to take us through it all the way from the future. Fantastic. So 
Our cover to number 45 today, uh, new members, new problems, uh, as was mentioned in the intro. And um, if you're a Legion fan, you probably wouldn't have recognised from the artwork that this was a Legion book um, because there are the uh, four new Kundish Legionnaires, Flader Web, Veil Mist, Bloodclaw and Firefist on the cover. And um, I always think of these guys um, in, a, in a sort of funny way because one of the things I do when I can't sleep is um, just try and name all the Legionnaires and that often <laughs> sends awesome. me. And um, these are usually the four that I forget, actually. Um, I seem to remember Veil Mist, but the other three, it's like, mm, yeah. Um, Kundish Legionnaires. Um, but I saw it, I'm not sure if it was on um, the LOSP um, Facebook page or another one, but there was a great quiz um, put out a while ago um, called Can You Name the Members of the Legion Superheroes? It's a sporkle.com site. Um, I'll post it onto the Facebook page. Um, but it's a great thing. It's a 15-minute timer and you've got to try to name all the Legionnaires in 15 minutes and it's it's from each of the different versions, so it covers all the different volumes of the Legion. And uh, it's a re- it's a really good um, challenge, so if people want to try Michael that. would be done in four minutes tops. I, I reckon. So do you, have to, do you have to name, like, Lightning Lass and Light Lass and Spark and Gossamer all of as them. all the different names? All the different ones, and so Andromeda, uh, Laurel Can, uh, Laurel Hand, etc. So they're all there. About to, you probably get into real debates on who exactly was a legionnaire on some of them. Were they honorary? Were they like, reserved? Like, Were they... This is my first time reading this, so I'm actually curious. Do these conditionally legionnaires stick around? Do they count? Oh, oh no! Spoilers. We're not telling you. No. Yeah. Keep reading. But the answer is yes. They count because they are actual legionnaires. They are legionnaires. They got inducted. Yeah. Even though they're thrust upon them. Yeah. yeah. That is correct. Doesn't matter right. how they get because in. They get in. That's, what, that's how Earthman came on. And, and when you get into the when you get into the reboot, um, for the first uh, couple of years, the legionnaires were drafted, and they had no choice. So, if you can draft a legionnaire who didn't want to be, then you can have Kundish legionnaires. Who the UP didn't want. Or like when Dream Boy replaced Dream Girl in the three boot. Yeah. And everyone's like, what? And then he was never seen again. And also, I should point out uh, this cover is by Stuart Eminem, Ron Boyd, and Tom McCraw. And I really like uh, Bloodclaw here in the middle part of his costume, the tiger stripes, how it's not really colored, it's just lots of little black dots. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And he's there. Two of the characters are actually picking up that new costume design effect too, with the central stripe down the middle, um, which is interesting that they, they've even tied their costumes in a bit. So yeah, it's a very 90s co- cover for sure. I mean, they're trying to make Batman not look like Batman, but he's Batman a lot. I think it's, it's, it's unfortunate. Even such a great artist, but I don't think he does this extreme style very well. I well, think he does everything well, and I'll not have you talk bad about him. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he so does. The, the thing is, that though, cover. that um, I will um, see you on the dueling ground, sir. It is a <laughs> it is a style that is generally he has such a, a more rounded line, and it is and that line that whole genre is all about you know straight lines and uh and and that sort of thing well lots of lots of hatching he doesn't do a lot of hatching that's yeah that's what i was gonna say you know the the cross hatching it's all about lines both big and small and um 
And so, yeah, so his cable doesn't look quite like uh, like the other cable we're used to, but but um, well, you know, is 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 every bit more interesting. <laughs> okay, let's jump into the issue. Yes. So, our opening scene, we've got um, the Legionnaires on their spacecraft heading towards Sklar, and so the carnage continues. Numerous reports of worlds falling to Mordru's armies all across Kundish space occupied UP space. Confrontation is expected imminently on the matriarchal world of Sklar. Mordru's forces versus the Legion, but a new and different Legion. Humans, such curious warriors. You choose to engage Mordru's armies, armies on this meaningless outpost instead of confronting him directly, says Bloodclaw. Uh, Projectra says, yes, Bloodclaw, but the way we overextend Mordru's powers this way. Um, Ultra Boy says, uh, Projector is wasting a breath. I mean, Cornish Legionnaires, what's next? Veil Mist uh, pipes up, Oh, we have our virtues, as you'll discover, Master Joe. And Joe replies, I am not your master. Oh, hello, girl. girl. Yeah, Fire Fist um, says, this is, this is a fool's alliance, one we may not survive. Blood Call responds, If so, Fire Fist, pledge, let us pledge to go out with a flourish. You, they remind me terribly of Klingons, these Kuns, I have to say. Well, I mean, the Kuns are the the Klingon stand-in. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they've always kind of been that. And this this whole page is actually, as we're going to see now, because Veilmist, okay, Veilmist, says, Cos, we've located a battle site. Can you teleport us down? As you wish, Master Rock, teleporting now. And we see our Star Trek teleportation effect. Um, stage four battle tactics, everyone. Let's be ready for whatever they... Holy God, says Laurel Gand. Joe says, Brainy, what the hell are we up against? Brainy? Brainy replies, Patience. I have no readings yet, but it appears we face exactly what we feared, an army of the risen dead. And we can see um, Kuns uh, fighting against um, Sklarian warriors and quite a number of raised corpses. And I hope that you've all got your Kono juice ready for today because I have a we're going to be taking a few drinks. A few? Yeah, just a few. So uh, I might just run through some of the battle site zombies that I've identified. Um, there's a Hawkman or Thanagarian character flying in the sky with three dark stars. Uh, we can see Mentella, who died back in Legion of Superheroes, Volume 3, number 26, um, in the um, Fatal Five confrontation. We've got Beast Boy, the hero of Lalo, who died in Adventure Comics 339. Um he did. He does appear um, alive post zero hour in Legionnaires forty nine. So it's probably the next time we see him. Um, I can't tell if the next one is Rampage or Magpie. Um, it looks like Rampage in the colours, but the the haircut looks a bit more like Magpie. And uh, she's which one um, are you talking about there? The one with the mohawk next to Beast Boy. Oh, I thought that was just someone with a uh, a helmet because you can see. The spiked helmet all the way on the right. Could be, could be. So if it if it is Mag, she was killed by Tallyman too. Um, I think they have done their research around these characters. Lying in the dirt, um, Tom Beerbomb lists him as Batlash, but it actually doesn't look like Batlash's costume with the blue hat. Um, could be a colouring thing, but I think it's um, Johnny Thunder One. Um, if you look at the costume reference um, from the um, Wild Western tales. Uh, we've got a character that's strangling one of the armoured um, warriors, and I'm not sure if this is a colouring error. He's been coloured like a, a Kundian or Larian, 
but um, it could also be blockbuster, I'm wondering, given by the, the sort of costume he's wearing, but hard to tell. Uh, we've got Vigilante 1, Greg Sanders, in there, who hasn't gotten a death appearance, as far as I could tell, in DC Comics at this point. Um, I but think at this point died. he was still around because he showed up yeah. in El Diablo as That's an right. older... Wasn't yeah. he time-displaced, like... Right. Um, well, he was a he was in the JSA in the Seven Soldiers of Victory. Yeah, but that w- stuff was kind of uh, well. That all got retconned yeah, out of the universe. That, uh, so that was not all in place uh, afterward because then you had to explain not uh, one, not two, but three Green Arrows, etc. Um, yeah, I, some are just they're just dead because they. I think wet- they're dead because. Because um, it's a thousand years in the future. They're dead. It's been a thousand yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. My question is, why are they here? Yeah, that's yeah, that's question. a whole other. There's well, more magic, right? Yeah, but yeah, but also, also so... Tom, Tom Beerbond mentions uh, about this, which okay. I'll get to later. Okay. There's a Green Lantern that looks a lot like Hal, but yeah. Hal hasn't died. He doesn't die until Final Night in 1996. But so. he's got a white streak in his hair, so that's... It that's sure does. It's definitely yeah. Hal. Yeah. Are we sure that's not Mr. Fantastic cosplaying as Hal? <laughs> <laughs> Again, and, a thousand years into the future, they're all yeah. dead. Yeah, all... yeah, Tom mentions only that that is a Green Lantern, not yeah. a particular one. No, well, let's not forget the... The green arrows in the guy on the far left. Yeah. So Ollie's hanging out somewhere. Absolutely. So, um, Freddy are, those, does uh, are, those, are those dark stars in the sky or? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one couple things to point out. Um, next to Beast Boy, there's a guy with funky hair. Yep. Does anyone recognize who that is? The only thing be? I can think of is that might be Atmos. But that's, that's what I was thinking. Think of. Okay. Yeah, that's. But he didn't have hair like that, did he? Well, I mean, he had a mohawk, but I mean, he's been rotting in death, you know, part of the hair. That's true. Also, wouldn't he? Was he? No, he was never a legionnaire. He wouldn't get buried on Shanghala. Never mind. He could be. It's just it's for heroes. Oh, that's true. He he was the hero of Lalor. Hate face and Lita eighty-seven were number. But but I would I would argue he's not part of those heroes because of the. uh, the final splash. So, mm. but Mantel is here, and she would have been buried on Shanghala as well, probably. Yeah. yeah. And Atmos, Atmos was a legionnaire. He joined in the five year gap. Yeah. Yeah. Briefly, right? Yeah. So Brainy does give an explanation. He says the greatest warriors of all time, each of them completely loyal to Mordru, rotting carcasses. Um, I, I, this character is coloured very much like Kono, and even the hair. Um, the central character is a, a warrior woman. Um, she was, you know, with the Amethyst powers at this point. So whether or not that's meant to be Kono, I'm not sure. No, no, it's, no it's not Kono. It's Kono comes in later. That's just a, a warrior. Yeah. So rotting never enslaves Sklar. And we've got um, some of the corpses are, are speaking in um, sort of, I guess it's a deathly tone. Um, and the, the lantern says forever. Um so we're going on to page four. Um, Wait, before we go. Yeah, go on. The um, In the upper right on page three, one of the uh, the guys in armor says, forever shall Mordor reign. And if you happen to have read Adventure 369 recently, 
you'll notice an interesting parallel that the helmet that this guy is wearing with the eye cutouts and the and the mouth cutout and the spikes is almost identical to the helmet that Mordrew wore um, in his first appearance. Uh, you remember his first appearance in Adventure 369 was actually his second uh, fight with the Legion. Right. And in his first one, he appeared as a hundred foot tall warrior who wore that exact same helmet. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So um, continuing on, um, Firefist says, enough cowering humans attack. Send these monstrosities back to their graves. Oz says, all we need is a little breathing room. Just give us enough space to set up a command post. Um, Ayla lets um, fly with her lightning. Uh, you heard the, man, heard the man. Drive them back. And uh, Bloodfist, um, Bloodclaw, sorry, um, says, ha, these freaks offer no challenge. And he um, rips, um, I'm guessing it's Jason Todd Robbins' um, arm off. And he died in Batman 428 back in 1988. Um, and Are you Robin, sure this wasn't written by Jeff Johns? Well, <laughs> has anyone like torn that? an arm off and beat? Yeah, no, there it is. Yeah, you're right. Oh, look, it's arm fall off, boy. Yeah. So, so Robin leaps at his throat and says, forever will we fight in Mordru's service, eradicating all who oppose him. Mother Demon, says um, Bloodcore. They're insane. Devoid of reason. How the hell are we supposed to fight this? Cos uh, is setting up his command post. Easy, people. Hang in there. Yeah. Brainy and Projector are working on it. We'll get you some answers. And uh, Brainy's got his um, hollow screens out and Projector's um, surrounded by candles and seems to be in a trance or meditating. Um, Firefist says, die, 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 as he shoots... Um, Al Pratt's Adam and Jay Garrick's Flash and um, the aforementioned um, helmeted character. Um, and um, it's interesting because I, I did some research on where these characters were um, when this comic came out, and they had just finished appearing in um, Strazowski and Parabek's Justice Society. Um, and um, so they weren't actually um, dead, although they had been in um, the Ragnarok battle for a long time. Um, up until up until this, um, then uh, Valmis says, "Use your powers, Master Joe. Destroy destroy them." And Joe replies, "Not if there's an alternative." Um, as he um, lifts what looks like Skyman, um, who died back in Infinity Inc. Uh, number fifty one in June eighty eight. That's right. Yes. Uh, up yes. into the sky. Um, damn, and he'd been killed by um, uh, Mister Bones with his. Um, Acid touch or whatever it was. Um, damn, too many of them. Looks like we've run out of alternatives, except one. Um, and we see um, Joe up on the up on the cliff um, with the waves crashing, and suddenly there's a, a great pink flash of light. Look out! And um, wow, he, he turns to look at Valmis. That teleportation power of yours can sure come in handy. Uh, she's obviously teleported them somewhere. Well, I could not let them harm such a fair warrior, she says, as she sort of moves in on Joe there. Uh, geez, I and um, suddenly Joe gets a boot to the head, Ugh! and it's Firefist um, that's um, been hit in the head, and uh, he says, "Keep away from my wife, Dirge. She's my property. Uh, you just lie there, human." 
you just lie there, human, says Valmist. He's challenged you. You're entitled to kill him. Uh, they really are borrowing a lot from the Klingons here, I think. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, they totally are. To what? To what, says, says Joe? This is a joke. It's got to be a joke. He's not going to fight for her honor, clearly. Um, nearby, we've got um, the little command post that Cos and Brainy and Projector have set up. Uh, anything yet, Brainy? Nothing, says Brainy. We don't know. Nothing we don't already know, I'm afraid. Then Projector, um, going into a trance state, I think, says, the intrusion of your empiricism into these questions only clouds the answers, Brainiac 5. I am not a true mystic, but I know where to look for the answers. I know where I must journey. And I'm hoping that one of you guys has got an explanation about this next panel. So <laughs> in appears a giant candle, a small boy wearing a loincloth, um, and a samurai mouse. Uh, and the boy says, pretty lady, you call us. Come into our place. Dead people coming into your place. And the, the samurai mouse says, only fitting, one supposes, after all. Their dry shell pouring into your sweltry, sweltry realm. Um, can anyone explain what this scene is about? Is there a reference that I'm missing? Nope. The, the boy, no they're eyes. Just, uh, they're just mystical Spirits. beings who yeah. Projector is talking to. Yeah, okay. Yeah, as far as we know, there's no kind of... Um, you know, it's not like they're, uh, you know, trying to do a, a riff on something else. No, Tom mentions them, but he doesn't say that they're a reference to something. Yeah, yeah these are just Projectra spirit guides. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and she, she used similar powers back when she summoned Pharaoh Lad's ghost, hadn't she? With, with okay, the so the candle is actually not a spirit, because if you look in the third panel, she's in a candle spirit circle. Uh, okay. So these two are entering it, I guess. With them. Yeah. Or appearing within it. Yeah. Yeah. And they're miniature then, obviously. Yes. Mouse side. <laughs> okay. All right. So we cross back to the field of battle and Laurel Gan flying through the air and um, Bloodclaw says, yes, they can be stopped. Even a mother forsaken corpse is useless without a torso. And he rips a hole into Tara Markov, into Terra. Uh, who died in Teen Titans Annual uh, number three back in July 84. Um, and Laurel says, good Lord, Bloodclaw, this is warfare, not savagery. And she says, what if these creatures have minds, souls that can be reached? Um, but I think um, Tom and Mary Beerbaum certainly were not putting as much thought into their corpses as Jeff Johns did in Blackest Night because um, they didn't have backstories and, and comic series attached to them. Um, and then the son of Vulcan um, jumps out and um, smacks into Laurel, who's flying past, and, and she says, we can't, uh, and he says, eradicating all who oppose him. What, who the hell? This vessel, this son of Vulcan, uh, he smashes her into some sort of um, totem pole. Uh, forever will it fight in Modru's service. Oof. Okay, well, we'll play it your way, says Laurel. And I think that she's um, going to rip um, a lot of blood claw any minute. Now, when did uh, Son of Vulcan was one of the um, uh, Charlton characters, I think. Um, That's right. But I don't remember him having died unless it was in crisis. Again, it was a thousand years ago. <laughs> Everyone's no, no, but, dead. But all, the other, all the other characters <laughs> they're showing have died by 
1993 in our time. Yes. So, th- but again, these are, everybody these are is dead by this point. <laughs> right. Except for John Jones. Right. Right. Of course. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's he's alive. So, um, far below, we can see um, Devlin and uh, Spider Girl and Flatterweb fighting. And Spider Girl says, "And here, I thought you Legion guys would know how to party." And Flatterweb says, "Here will I die, bombarded with human banalities." And um, we see um, Devlin shoot a Thanagarian warrior. Um, and one of the um, recently risen uh, Mordru soldiers says, "Forever," as he kills a Sclarian. And Devlin says, oh, my Lord, Spider-Girl, Flatterweb, cover me. I got to try and help that poor guy. Oh, mercy, have mercy on his soul, dear Lord. No, says the um, Sclarian. It, it is really hard with the colouring in this issue. They do seem to swap between um, Kunz and Sclarian's um, colouring <laughs> yes. on the character. This one's coloured like a Sclarian, but he's attacking Devlin. Uh, Saints above. I only serve, or maybe he's converted. I serve only one lord, Mordru. Yeah, he, he got stabbed and then he... Yeah, he's been killed. He's the one who got stabbed in panel two, and now he's dead and on Mordru's side in panel five. I'm yeah. crazy, but wouldn't Devlin be, like, the perfect way to stop the zombies since everything that hits him hits his opponent? Just yeah, let but... everyone bite him. They'll all we get bitten. A lot of Devlin's power, really, um, up to this point. We're, we're going to see it. Um, there's a couple of background references. Um, there's one there that looks like um, the Shining Knight, um, yep. Sir Justin, um, and his horse, Victory. And there's another one, I think, behind Devlin's head in the panel before that that looks a bit like a science police officer to me. Does anyone else have a different reference on that one? That's definitely yeah, it looks a like a science old, police helmet. Old, but Old yeah. science police helmet. Yeah. Okay, so then we've got uh, Rock is looking at a, a panel watching this happen. Devlin, get out of there. Everybody, pull back, pull back. We're in over our heads. Valmis, get us back to the ship now. Uh, and shortly uh, we, we cross to the ship and they're back on the ship. You've disgra- disgraced us, humiliated us. How dare you withdraw us from battle, um, says Firefist. It's called a strategic retreat, retreat Firefist. Uh, Joe's coughing. Um, Ayla's getting bandaged by Devlin and saying, ow, sorry, Miss Rance. Uh, Vale Miss groaning. Um, and Fire Fist says, a corn never retreats. And Cos says, hey, if you want to charge back down there, buddy, have at it. In the meantime, let the rest of us, um, re- uh, let the rest of us use our heads. Let's figure out what we learned down there. And Brainy says, uh, not much here, I'm afraid, Rock. Perhaps Projectra is faring better. Projector is still in her trance state. I don't know how she held that through the teleportation. <laughs> She's also teleported her um, her oracles with her. Um, the, and the small boy uh, with no eyes says, there's nobody inside. And the, the, the mouse says, you c- cannot allow their respect for life to shield that which is devoid of life. And the boy says, nobody inside at all. These shells have been stolen by the old man from the good souls who will remain in their proper distant realm. They're lifeless, says Projectra. Mordru's soldiers are lifeless. Cos says, in other words, we're wasting our time, worrying about not killing them. And Brainy says, exactly. They're no more living creatures than, say, a combat robot. 
Vale Mist has come over to Joe again and um, is comforting him and says, oh, poor Master Joe, you fight so valiantly and are rewarded only with wounds. Hey, I'll be all right. Why don't you just keep your hands to your, says Joe. And next thing we know, uh, Fire Fist is on him. I warned you, brazen human, says Joe. Now you die. Joe says, that's it. I've had it with you. Poom. And smashes him in the face. I think that's probably close enough to have a drink. Oh, I think so, yeah. So, um, and Bloodcaller says, at last, um, Flaterweb hanging upside down from the roof says, the humans will be taught some respect. Oof. Ugh. Whoa, guys. Cos dashes in. Break it up, guys. Keep out of it, Crin, says Firefist. I am owed to this kill. Damn, says Joe, as he tries to hit him again, but misses. Um, and uh, Cos cops a gun in the face from as Firefist um, prepares to hit back at Joe. Um, and Firefist says, I said keep out of it. That does it, says Laurel as she dashes in. I say good night, dear, and she, she punches Firefist in the face. Um, Cos standing over him and flattens him to the ground, and Cos standing over him says, that's all I'm going to take from you, Firefist. From now on, I give the orders around here, alone. And um, Firefist has obviously been hit in the nose. No, damn you, I'm still co-leader. Um, but I think, I think um, that is over. Um, Cos, not anymore, you're not. You people came to us for help, not the other way around. You don't like the arrangement? Then pack your bags. Um, Vale Miss says to Joe, oh, sweet Master Joe, I hope you're not damaged. And Joe says, hey, would you mind keeping away from me? (laughs) And she says, yes, of course, until you kill him. Kill who, says Joe? My husband, she says. And then, bless the demons, I will be your property. (laughs) She's very persistent. Okay, so um, we then cross back to Legion headquarters and Talus, and we've got Ron Vidar and um, Lida, um, Kryn there, and Lida says, Lord, Lord, Ron, what are they? And Ron says, I don't know, Lida, dead bodies, and they're sort of in the shadows and something's going on in the corridors of um, Talus, Legion headquarters. Must be from the derelicts, the asteroid below us. And uh, here's Jacques, an infectious lass, fighting zombies in the corridors. What was that, says Jacques. Dawnstar, says um, Infectious Lass. Good Lord, we left her alone in the infirmary. In her state of mind, says Infectious Lass. Go, Jacques, go. I'll hold things down here. And we finally see um, Dawnstar um, recovered from her bounty escapade. She's still in that bed, um, hasn't moved for issue on issue. And coming through the floor is a zombie. More Drew, forever shall he reign. Hang on, Dawnstar, hang on, says Jacques and shoots the zombie. Uh, we then cross to Naltor. Madam Hysia, you can't be serious. The planet is in a panic. Dead bodies are walking around, and there's a, um, a secretary leaning against a desk, and um, Nora replies, yes, sweetie, I know. Are you still going off planet at a time like this? Of course. And it is um, actually um, her um, top advisor, Tab, leaning there. We last saw him... Um, in the annual, um, annual three back in 1992. So he has stuck around. I'm not sure what happened to her two toy boys that she <laughs> took to the basement. Uh, they don't appear in this scene. Um, so um, she's heading off planet. Uh, better go to the cause of the problem. Better to go to the cause of the problem, says um, Dream Girl, um, than just sit here worrying about the symptoms. But what if you're wrong, says Tab? What if you could do more good here? Me? Wrong, says Nora. 
old tab. Sometimes you say the cutest things. And um, John Jones appears out of the shadows with um, Tenzel Kem. Noora, says John. John, what a pleasure, says Noora. You're looking great, kid, says Tenzel. So, Kono. Kono wants to take us to where? To Tharn. And we see Kono recently converted with her amethyst tinge um, with her purple hair and glowing around her. Yes, my friend, and please hasten, for all that we cherish does hang in the balance there. And uh, Tenzel shrugged his shoulders. Uh, we tried to fix her, but we can't figure out what's broken. Uh, <laughs> this is not the Kono of old. Um, we then cross, cross again. This is a bit like a tour of the United Planets, yes. this episode. Um, we're on Trom, um, a cemetery world whose inhabitants were slaughtered by the pirate Roxas. And all that is except one, Jan Ara, a child, a Tromite child. What a beautiful thing that would be. And this is um, Jan thinking now. To see Tromite features, a Tromite voice, a Tromite soul, melded to, to youth, to the future, if only. And then he hears a rumble. Lords, there it is again. The entire planet shakes, and again the burial sirens glow. This is unnatural. These events filling me with such a feeling of dread. God's souls, a ship disappearing over the bridge, and he sees a ship flying in over the um, the sirens, the um, crystal sirens. Strange. I feel as if I've seen it before, like I know what side awaits me over the crest. And he sort of walks past a city. Something terrible, something souls of the damned and i think this is the first time jan's probably spoken um as he's been silent ending to the um the crystals on tharn roxas what the bloody and uh, roxas is there and he's and he's got a um a flaming torch with a um what looks like a cow's cow skull burning on it um so oh torturing souls of trom Sent to your rest so long ago by my hand. Tonight is the night. Redeem yourselves. Redeem me. Spluth. And we see crystals exploding. Spluth, poom, spluth, plume. I think it's time for another drink. Arise. Uh, <laughs> and we see a hand coming out of the ground. Thrunch. Arise, my companions. And the first one says, forever. I, says Roxas, yes, it was I who sent you to your graves, but Mordru, only Mordru can bring you back. And um, Jan says, sacred remains of my race. This is impossible. And um, looking a bit like the Pied Piper here, we've got Roxas um, sort of marching with a line of Tromites behind him. In his name do we arise, do we find redemption? Roxas says, yes, the madness is ended. The voices, the torturing voices are gone. We're free. Jan says, stop it. Yeah, says Roxas. Stop this desecration of everything sacred or so help me. I think what's interesting there is he says, we're free. Um, clearly he's still got some madness inside if he's thinking in the... <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Jan Arah says Roxas, damned hell, isn't it, beautiful boy? I've wiped my greatest sin clear of this off the slate. Butcher, says Jan. I should transform you to dust right where you stand. Death, says Roxite, by your Tromite powers. Yes, please, now that I'm redeemed, to die by your hand, it would be so fitting. Jan says, don't tempt me, madman, by all that is sacred. Don't tempt me. And suddenly Jan is 
cased in a blue light and covered in inertron. And uh, one of the Tromites says, inertron, death by inertron. For him who opposes Mordru, uh, Mordru death by inertron. Forever will we serve Mordru. Mordru. And Roxas looks down as he falls thump to the ground. Jan, my dear boy. And uh, leaves us a bit of a cliffhanger there. We don't know what's going to happen to Jan. And we cross back to the spaceship, spaceship in orbit around Sklar. Evasive action. I see them. It's more of Mordru's armies chasing us up here in orbit. And Rock says, yes, it appears they can survive in, in a vacuum. Even travel through hyperspace, there may be nowhere for us to run. Then Projector says, limit. The spell is limited. Um, Rock says, hmm, you've got something, Projector? And Projector replies, yes, Rock. My guides say Mordru's spell has a time limit. After 99 hours, the spell expires. And Brainy says, that would confirm my research. Apparently, it will take extraordinary exertion for Mordru to continue his spell past such a deadline, which is only about an hour off. Very convenient. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Spider Girl says, holy crap, look at that. And um, Joe says, I see it. Hang on, everybody. There's another swarm of them. We're on a con- collision course. And Spider Girl says, Joe, the hull of the ship is disintegrating. What? How? I just don't know, says Spider Girl. And Rock rushes in. What's happening, Brainy? Brainy says, the swarm that's attacking us, they're tromites. They're transmuting the hull into hydrogen. Explosive decompression in seconds. We're dead, yells Brainy. And Laurel comes over and taps him on the shoulder and says, ah, Brainy, and leans in for a passionate kiss, much to Brainy's surprise. And then, boom, the spaceship blows up. I got a, I got a question here. Couldn't Brainy have just used his uh, force shield to expand around everybody? He's done that before, hasn't he? Yeah. He could have. Although I guess if there's traumites out there, um, who knows what a traumite can do to Brainy's force shield? You'd have to say he's a bit taken off guard here, though, really, wouldn't you? So he, yeah. he's not thinking that clearly. And uh, suddenly we see the pink flash uh, on the next page. Huh? And um, Firefist says, we, we made it. And Joe says, Vale, miss, she saved us. And we see Brainy and Laurel falling apart. Oof. Vale, miss says, it was my pleasure, but it's, it appears I simply got our necks off the chopping block and back into the next meat grinder. And they're back on the battlefield and surrounded by corpses yet again. And we've got some new corpses this time. We've got... Um, Killer Frost, um, and we've got Mind Boggler, who died in Suicide Squad number two back in 1987. And I'm not sure about Killer Frost. Does anyone know? There were two Killer Frosts, weren't there? One yes. of them had died. I think the first one was first one was Louise Lincoln, or was that the second one? Uh, the first one was, I think, Crystal Frost. So she would have been the original one in the... Um... Conway Milgram book and she died sometime before crisis because I think it was the was other it a suicide one. squad thing I don't know I couldn't I couldn't find any I don't friend. recall to be quite honest um yeah I only know the killer frost from crisis and this one seems to have the same headgear okay the thing was they didn't look that different um 
And I know that I had been away from reading stuff for a while um, by by that point. So when I kind of came back into it, it was kind of like, oh, it's a it, wait, wasn't her name Crystal? And um, yeah. Yeah, so not sure about that one. So um, Vi smashes um, Golden Eagle um, corpse in the in the face, and Golden Eagle had died at the start of the Titans hunt um, back in 1991. And um, she says, never, not as long as any of us stands. And Laurel, leaning over Brainy, says, and by the way, green stuff, nothing happened up there, nothing and Brady just looks back at her. Oh, uh, uh, absolutely. Whatever you say. And Laurel flies off as we see Fire Fist shooting uh, Mr. Terrific, uh, the first Mr. Terrific, um, who'd been killed by the Spirit King, I, I believe, who'd been inhabiting Flash Number One's body um, in one of the JLA JSA crossovers back in 1979. So I, I do like the way Tom and Mary have done their research into these dead characters, actually, for this. Um, the the Mohawk guy. Oh no, you said Mindboggler, right? Mindboggler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was one of the early deaths in Suicide Squad. I think we knew it was going to. There were going to be a lot of deaths in that book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we. So we, Crystal Frost was the first um, one, and then uh, uh, as um, then replaced by. Uh, Louise Lincoln in Fury of Firestorm 21. Yeah, that. See, I was st- I was still reading it around then. I guess I'm. I, so I she, Doctor Lincoln, appeared in issue 21 and then took over as Killer Frost in Fury of Firestorm 34. There we go. Which was right around Crisis. Yeah. Yeah, because she they they mentioned in Crisis some they they mentioned something about her being new to it or, or whatever. Mm. So we continue, and Ayla's um, letting fly with her lightning, but coming up behind her are a, a Kundish and uh, um, another zombie, which is Vigilante number two um, this time, and this is Adrian Chase. And this was, it was when I looked into when he died, I hadn't read this issue, but my goodness, what a heavy story. Um, he... Um, he was um, he died in his the final issue of the series, and this is the character that had appeared in uh, New Teen Titans, and he actually committed suicide, um, yes. shot himself at the end of the issue, um, which is really interesting. And and I did I did some more research. He reappeared in the Day of Judgment um, crossover, and he was one of the. Um, what they call him, a morally ambiguous deceased hero who'd been trapped in purgatory. Um, And he helps the Sentinels of Magic and the Justice League escape with Hal Jordan from um, Necron and um, to use him as a new host for the Rampaging Spectre. So um, he then gains an appeal to heaven along with the rest of the heroes. So um, interesting one. I think probably a character they needed to redeem in some way. It's a pretty heavy ending for a um, character. Um, it was. I, I know it was a more mature book, but um, yeah, pretty heavy DC. Yeah, well, the because um, he had he had quit being um, vigilante for a while, and someone else took over the costume, and um, and so yeah, it was a, it was a woman. Um, that was later. 
Oh, yeah, that, yeah. there were several vigilantes yeah. in that whole um, but thing. But uh, yeah, that was um, like when they uh, when the Deathstroke series started. Um, but um, yeah, so Adrian it was he was he was uh, promoted to being a judge, and because uh, I remember him showing up in a uh, in a courtroom at some point, and. Um, and it was in the in the last in the last issue of uh of vigilante that he uh that 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 he ended his life um it was an interesting uh, that that was an interesting run it was very different uh by the by the sort of middle toward the end uh than it was uh in the in the first bunch of issues in the first bunch of issues he came off as you know kind of uh well here's d you know here's dc's punisher and um and certainly it, it it uh went a lot deeper later on yeah okay so continuing with our legion story we've got um ayla says look alive folks just hold out till the 99 hour deadline passes we've almost made it just hang on and um vi appears between some of the zombies feet blasted ayla she grows to full size and, and knocks ayla down to the ground watch your damn backside says vi Whoa, Violet, says Ayla. And then she notices as the, the Kun swings his um, weapon around. And does anyone know the name of that weapon? And he hits Vigilante clean in the head, um, reducing his head to powder. Ah, says Vigilante. And Cos says, come on, folks, don't give them any openings. We can't afford to pull any punches. And Spider Girl says, you know, if you go with it, these guys can just be kind of fun. And she karate chops Arak. Um, Son of Thunder in the neck. Um, and Flader Webb says, oh, walking corpses, kill me now. Spare me this human prattle. And he's twisting the head off Mirror Master. And this would be Sam Scudder, who died in Crisis on Infinite Earths number 10. Um, interestingly, and, and there's a number of these, um, he was re reanimated again in Blackest Night. And I think um, quite a few of them we we We'll see a reanimated. Um, the next panel says, um, please don't hold back people. It's cause these are not living creatures we're dealing with. And we hear an, um, and Ayla zapped this one with the lightning. Now I, I kind of looked at this one and when I, at first glance, I thought it was cyborg. Um, and then I thought, mm, I don't think the eye is on the correct side and the robotic eye. And I had a look and it wasn't on the right side. Left eye. Um, changed and then I thought, oh, maybe it's it's um, Talak, but it's not him either, Tara. Uh, but that's listen. Sorry, we're losing you there. Oh. Yeah, um, Tom actually says this is Cyborg in his blog um, that's been reanimated. So, um, but the eye is definitely on the wrong side. So, imminent missed on his reference there. I think he needs he needs a, a reference guide. I wonder where he <laughs> some sort of art artist reference. Exactly. There's no such thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we see um, Joe and Laurel flying in to attack some more of the um, the zombies. Uh, you heard the man says Laurel, and um, Joe says ultra speed on full, and Laurel says that should do the job, and uh, they fly through smashing the corpses. Orc. And um, Laurel says, wow. And Joe says, you know, that's got to hurt. Uh, we then see um, Bloodclaw um, clawing through 
um, and it's quite graphic there, clawing through the silver sorcer sorceress. Um, and this is the, the character who was one of the champions of Angor um, and Justice League member. Um, and yeah, I the love Scarlet Witch analog. Yeah, the Scarlet Witch analog. And I love her death. I've read about this uh, in researching this. She was killed by an arrow while fighting the mind slaved natives of the mobile Kui 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 Island under the control of Lord Persuasion and the other extremists. Um, she was laid to rest by the Justice League on Kui Kui Island. I thought, um, I wonder who was in charge of writing um, Justice League at that time. <laughs> So we see uh, um, some more fighting and um, then Cos says, what do you think, Brainy? And Brainy says, I'm guardedly optimistic. The deadline is approaching and we appear to be, and Projectra says, scabs, scabs, ripped from the wounds, never healed. Projectra says, um, Cos says, Projectra, what is it? What's wrong? They're coming, says Projectra. Sacred ancestors, they're coming, she says. And um, Vi and Ayla turn around to see some floating feet and some um, what looks like ash um, falling down from the sky. And Vi says, oh, damn. Now, I hope everyone's got their drinks ready. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe this scene as if it was an action figure set. So uh, <laughs> this, is, this is a new action figure set from DC Comics on the, on the cliffhanger page we've got. These new action figures, you can buy this set. Murdered like in, action, in action figures. In action figures, I love it. So murdered <laughs> magnetic kid, Paul Crin, who sacrificed himself to resolve the Archmage's trap during the magic walk. And he comes complete with a hanging out tongue and 90s pouches galore. <laughs> <laughs> in your in action figure set, you also get Gas Reflecto, Stig R, who according to the $29.99 source book and um, Tom Beerbaum was gassed by Molecule Master after joining in the five-year gap. He comes complete with pale skin and interchangeable Jonar and Kal-El heads. <laughs> you also get in your zombie set, Funeral Park, Funeral Park, Karate Kid 1, or killed by Nemesis Kid. He comes complete with ashen complexion and super karate movement. You also get Fusion Sphere. Wouldn't, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't Karate Kid just be a lump of coal? <laughs> yeah, well, he's, he's, he's standing ash right now. You get Fusion Sphere Explosion Sunboy, Dirk Morgner, complete with bullet hole to the head from being euthanized by Cersei after the Dominator's defeat. Yeah. You get Crushed Invisible Kid, Lyle Norg, complete with broken bone sound effects and static electricity created by Validus, son of Protee and Saturn Girl. <laughs> You get a female character in the set. Um, it's electrocuted triplicate girl, Lornu Durgu's first body, killed by Brainiac 5's invention, Computo. It comes complete with two other bodies ready to get on with life as duo damsel. You get Radiation Burns Chemical King, Kondo Alec, who sacrificed his life to stop Derogon, a dark circle agent and the governor of Australia from starting World War Seven. He comes complete with a love letter signed by L.N. You get sun-eaten pharaoh lad, Andrew Nolan, complete with bomb attachments stolen from the hands of a surprise superboy. <laughs> it's interesting in this set, though, because he remarkably looks a lot less burnt than Karate Kid, which yes. is interesting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and finally in the set you get Exploding Block, killed by Roxas. He comes complete with detachable parts you can reassemble and blast apart over and over again. 
and um, the splash page says next legion against legion this issue brought to you by tom and mary beer Balm writers stuart imminent and ron boyd artists um tom mccraw colors and um i had a had a bit of a look through the legion outpost section at the back of this um this issue and there were a couple of interesting things that were mentioned in it um, one is that um, we're about to get um, legion t-shirts at this time and um the the t-shirt they were talking about is the um, graffiti designs one which came with um, a starfield all over the t-shirt it's a it's a black uh, t-shirt with a white starfield and it's got the um, yellow legion logo on it I don't know. Did any of you have that T-shirt? I never, I never saw that one in Australia. I don't know if it came out here, actually. I got one up in my closet. Yeah, we'll put we'll put a picture on the on the on the Facebook. And then it also they also mentioned that there's an imminent poster due out in April. Now I'm guessing this book would have been on the shelves in April. Would that be right? It was. It's it's July July cover uh, date. This it was actually on sale May. 18, 1993. Okay, so the poster would have been out. And this is the poster um, that's got the older Legion uh, appearing on it with Joe, Ayla, Jacques, Ono, Vi, Jan, Rock, Brainy, Misa, Laurel, Devlin, Tenzel and Spider-Girl. And it's got sort of Mordra and Glorith floating in a starry background uh, in the background of the of the image, um, which is interesting. And um, so... Um, it was a bit of a time for merchandise, which is really interesting. Um, we'd obviously had the Legionnaires book launch at this time, and um, DC was obviously trying a bit of um, cross promotion and things. Um, something something we haven't seen a lot of from the Legion recently. No, save for save for rings. Save rings. That's yeah, right. It's yeah. Pretty much the. Uh, yeah. 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 And I know I've got this poster framed and hanging on my wall along with some of my other Legion posters. Um, gets quite a lot of comment, this poster, from my non-comic book friends. Um, they seem to really like the action shot. It's got um, Joe with Fista ready and um, Laurel sort of flying towards the screen. It's it's quite clever. Kono phasing through rocks and Matarita Lad eating a cave in the background. <laughs> Kind of fun, and there's also a small mention in the um, in the um, there's a page in the back of the book, the very last page of the book, which is a DC Universe page, um, sort of from editorial, and it mentions the arrival of the youngest Legionnaire on Valentine's Day that year, which is Connor Jones Imminent, and there's a very cute um, picture of a dancing baby. Um, He's got a, like a hat in his hand and he's dancing in a Legion jumpsuit. And his superpower mention is to wake up crying just as mummy and daddy fall asleep. I thought that was very, very cute. <laughs> Quite a fun little image. So, yeah, that's, that's Legion of Superheroes number 45. Very nice. Well, there we go. I want to get the, um, the Dead Legionnaires uh, set. I assume it comes in the um, post wildfire versus Omega headquarters. Yeah, they so. could throw in a wildfire suit, you know, an empty containment suit. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he's, I, I think he's the only dead legionnaire who's not here um, because he didn't actually have a body 
for Mordrew to reanimate. Yeah. Although, of course, neither did Feralad. Yeah, arguably, like like and like we said with Karate Kid, you know, he was kind of, uh, you know, kind of crackly, crackly there. So, uh, so you know, there's, um, yeah, some, you know, some of these um, these returns from the dead. It's, uh, you know, like I like I look at the. Um, Lore new body and it it's clearly like you know a bunch of dust kind of held together and it's interesting that feral lad seems to have fared better yeah i'm not sure how iron would go in the um in the heart of the sun but anyway yeah yeah yeah, I, I, yeah exactly i don't know seems uh seems dodgy <laughs> yeah all right. Um, so let's move from there. Michael, do you have some notes from uh, from Tom? I do. Um, before we get into the notes, uh, just a reminder that the Legionnaire series is taking place about six weeks prior to the story. So right. I don't know where the Legionnaires would be or if we're going to see them fighting zombies, but they're busy with their own stuff. Um, let's see. Tom says, uh, among Mordru's cadaverous soldiers are various deceased characters in the DC universe. Through the course of the issue, we get glimpses of the remains of the recently killed off version of Robin, a Hawkman, a Green Lantern, Son of Vulcan, Beast Boy, the Golden Age Flash and Adam, Mr. Terrific, the Vigilante, Mirror Master, Terra, Cyborg, and others. Um, uh, he talks about the uh, the confrontation between Rock and Firefist. Uh, it says, I enjoyed writing this scene and getting the chance to contrast the humans with the Kuns and to show how the Kuns' warrior boasts and a thirst for blood or poor substitutes for the true heroism of Legionnaires. Uh, this was an interesting issue with a lot going on. Fun to see the Legion battling various dead heroes of DC's past and to get some interesting interaction among the Legionnaires, especially between human and Quindish members. We got mixed reactions from inside DC to the idea of bringing back the remains of the various dead characters of that universe. Apparently, there had been other storylines elsewhere that did similar things. Remember, this is a long time before uh, Blackest Night. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it was viewed as being a bit repetitious. Uh, Tom says, I wasn't aware of the other similar stories, but I wasn't surprised that comparable things had been done in the past. Uh, while our editor, Casey Carlson, reported that some of the editors found it fun to come up with various characters we could throw into the story and seem to regard it as a clever touch. Do you know what he's talking about with um, uh, zombie heroes that would have been done recently? would have been done in, recently in recent yeah, recently years black is night no no but he he was talking about um other zombie hero stories that were repetitious but this is 1993 oh. at least 10 years before black is oh, night i actually recall one there was the marvel zombies series but not 90 not 90, no, 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 no. Not 93 though no oh okay so at the time yeah Wait, something's jumping up at me, but I can't place it. 
It was definitely a DC. And it was a... Oh, wait. It would have been... Uh, well, no, Eclipso doesn't really do that, does it? No, they weren't dead. No, those are those are just heroes becoming evil. Right. If you think of it, bring yeah, it up. Yeah, if I think of it, I'll bring it up. Oh, uh, one anyway. other note. Um, Son of Vulcan died in the last issue of um, War of the Gods. So. And we've already hit War of the Gods, right? Yeah, War of the Gods. Is, yeah, War of the Gods happened um, the same year as uh, Eclipso, so um, oh, okay, ninety one. Oh, the year before Eclipso. Uh, sorry, okay, 92. Well, that's... no, ninety two is right. Yeah. Had okay, well, that explains why he's dead here. No, I again, I stand corrected. It was in fact nineteen ninety one. It because it was the crossover of the year nineteen ninety one. Uh, where Eclipse was the crossover of 1992. Well, well, I mean, actually, Armageddon 2001 was the one of 1991. But by the time War of the Gods came out, they were like, we've already moved on. <laughs> uh, Tom continues, I remember our little business with Laurel smooching Brainy and then subsequently telling him nothing happened after they survived their seemingly certain doom which got a lot of reaction with some people very hostile towards Laurel for this action. I'll admit the whole thing might be a tad comic booky. I'm not sure any real serious adult would do such a thing in this circumstance, but to me, it was a very interesting way to nail down that Laurel still had very strong feelings for Brainy, even if she was now married to another man. I suspect many of the people who were upset with Laurel had assumed that she was really over Brainy and hundred percent dedicated to husband Ron Vidar. So this scene probably came as somewhat of a shock. But in my mind, there will probably never come a day that our Laurel is completely over Brainy, as inconvenient as that might prove to be. And in that light, the scene seemed very logical to me. And that's from Tom. There you go. Outstanding. All right. Um, reach into the mail reaching into the mailbag. I got here. Ah, yes. Okay. From filter. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, from uh, David Foster via the website. Uh, he said, "Enjoyed episode six fifty one. A couple of things. When you riffed on, I can't believe Jeff Johns made Jackie a snake. I had to share some more. Um." Now, because, of course, uh, there are all sorts of things that happen in comics, and it's convenient that we can blame them all on Jeff Johns. Um, killed off Karate Kid, Invisible Kid, Fate, Aquaman's Baby, and the Doom Patrol. I can't believe that Jeff Johns put Baby in a corner. I can't believe that Jeff Johns was Kaiser Sose the whole time. What? Yeah. I can't believe that Jeff Johns cast Jessica Alba as a blonde character. I can't believe that Jeff Johns canceled Gotham Academy. I can't believe that Jeff Johns pushed Jack off that floating door, even though there was clearly enough room for both of them. <laughs> um, I can't believe that Jeff Johns stole the publishing rights to the name Captain Marvel away from the real Captain Marvel. And I can't believe Jeff Johns made us believe Spider-Man was a clone for all those years. Man, what a jerk. And uh, and he says, also, when you read out the names of the creators during the yada yada, you mentioned my dear friend, Charles Barnett III. 
Charles inked 20 pages of that Deathstroke annual and about eight pages of Eclipse of the Darkness Within, issue two. A few hours after I listened to the episode, I met up with Charles and told him that you dropped his name. I even played the pertinent part of the podcast, and he was tickled pink. He then regaled me with stories of the old days, which is really beneficial to him these days. You see, Charles was recently diagnosed with the double whammy of Parkinson's disease and early-onset Alzheimer's, which has played havoc with his life and livelihood. Any recognition, however tangential of the good old days, jumpstarts his memory and makes him happy. So thanks to you for making at least two old guys happy today. Long live the Legion, David Foster. <clears throat> Thank you for sending that, David. Uh, that um, I'm I'm glad that our that our mention, uh, um, you know, gave him that, uh, you know, g- gave him that the, that jumpstart to his memory for the day. That was uh, that was awesome, and uh, and really great to hear. And this is why we like to mention creators' names. Um, and uh, okay, so we've got that uh, up next. Um, Going all the way back uh, to episode 644 uh, from Dan Bowman on the uh, website, and this is actually part of uh, what will eventually be a um, a feedback crossover. Um, uh, so this was uh, our uh, Legion of Superheroes Future State Part One. It says I love this issue. Rosmo has such a unique style that works very well in this setting. It also contrasts nicely with the style Sook had been using, letting us know at a glance that the Legionnaires, uh, Legion's universe has gone through significant changes. I kind of hope the delay on New Legion material is waiting for Rosmo to be free to draw it, especially if we are, as it seems to be the case, going to be going forward from this point. We don't know that for sure, though, so I guess we'll, we'll see. And now I put on my best Dan Aykroyd voice to say, Paul, you ignorant slut. Uh, your piece at the end about Bendis not using characters enough slash properly slash at all actually tickled me because of how diametrically opposite my reaction to the same creative decision was. My favorite thing about this book, hands down, has always been the, the sheer chaos on every page. It's the legion of superheroes, and there are always a hundred people trying to do a thousand things simultaneously, often at cross purposes. It makes the book feel grounded and larger than life at the same time and brings a, sp- a very specific humor that I appreciate. I feel like having uh, characters who keep appearing in the gr- in the background but never get a word in or get properly introduced is just par for that course. Maybe these characters will get their due someday. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll die off panel and be replaced with more m- random nameless figures, because if that because that is the chaos that is Legion and it brings me great joy. Um, and uh, there's a second part to that where he talks about how there's characters that don't, uh, in Legion that don't get used as much. And uh, and he professes to being an enigma. All right, so uh, so there we go. So that's feedback, and uh, it was great that uh, Dan brought that episode up from uh, from all those weeks ago because it just reminds me that this show has history. And speaking of which, Michael, <laughs> is there anything that happened this week in Legion history? Uh, a lot, actually, this time. Uh, so we traveled back to the uh, long ago year of 1976, 45 years ago, Karate Kid number three came out. Uh, Val encounters a villain named the Revenger, who is armed with a whip and an exoskeletal arm, which is totally coincidentally not at all like the Winter Soldier. <laughs> and you can find that you can listen to that. We did the whole issue in... Uh, episode 314, 
and then decided this is too difficult to get through. <laughs> and so we did the whole yada yada um, in episode 463. It invented the yada yada genre. <laughs> I think so. Uh, 35 years ago, 1986, Who's Who, the definitive directory of the DC Universe number 17, which covered Nightshade to Persuader. And who can tell me which Legion characters were in there from Nightshade to Persuader? All right. So Nightshade. So that's going to be after. So Nightgirl was in the last one. So Persuader. Yeah. Persuader is one. Obviously, yes. <laughs> That's kind of the gimme. My job's done here. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> uh, night Girl would have been in the previous issue, yeah, wasn't that, she? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Did Power Boy get a entry? No. That would have been after Persuader. Persuader? Yeah. P E R. P E R. Not you. Yeah, he was on the Legion Academy page. He didn't get a solo entry. Yeah, no. I'm guessing Ontier didn't get a mention either. Nope. He's only on in the, who's uh, in the Legion. Well, and he's on the um, Dark Circle page, right? Or, or at least five shadowy figures are on the Dark Circle. Page. No, no, no. <laughs> yes. Um, let's see. Um... Oh, who starts with an O? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Mm-hmm. How many are we looking for here? Well, I wanted to see, let you guys guess before telling you a number. Oh, well then one, we're done. Persuader, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. But he's yep. the only one. Yeah, you trick question bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that sometimes. Uh, that's, uh, that Tylenol's kicking in. <laughs> Yep, got your number. Got your number, man. Uh, 25 years ago, 1996, Legionnaires number 37. <coughs> With the United Planets having rescinded its Legion draft, the heroes must, eat, must each decide their future with the team or without it. Kinetics confronts the Empress about the location of the Emerald Eye. Um, plus, because you demanded it, according to the cover, the return of Monel, spelled M apostrophe O N E L which is the Martian word for wanderer because I guess they didn't like valor. I forget the reason why. See, I'm going to hyphenate my last name to Noel just because. <laughs> and, and apostrophe O W E L L. No, just N O hyphen W E L. We'll drop the second L. I guess it's got to be now L. That's, that sounds horrible. So you're yeah. taking the hyphen back is what you're saying. Yeah, I'm yeah. taking the hyphen back. Well, this is actually an apostrophe. No. If I said, so it, it'd be, you would be. Uh, I'm in the South, sir. We only use an apostrophe for the word y'all. Uh, <laughs> or y'alls. And, All y'alls. And, yeah, and for plurals. <laughs> plurals, yeah. Uh, let's see. 15 years ago, 2006. The Justice League Unlimited episode 36 called Far From Home. Supergirl, Green Lantern, Jon Stewart, and Green Arrow end up in the 30th century where they help the Legion fight the Fatal Five. And in the end, uh, Supergirl decides to stay when Green Lantern and Green Arrow go back. That was in first recorded in episode 219. 
And I forgot to mention that Legionnaires 37 will be coming roughly fall of 2023. Uh, 10 years ago, 2011, Adventure Comics number 525, Chemical Kid finds out his dad sold the secret to his powers to the Taurus gang to settle gambling debts. Cosmic Boy gives Lamprey and Power Boy their final exams, which they fail, sending them to security jobs on Tacron Galtos. Uh, and Mordrew becomes aware of an opportunity to awaken and confront the Black Witch. Mm-hmm. And that was back in episode 132. Uh, also the same day in 2011, Booster Gold number 43. Following his recent stint in Time Traveler's Prison, Booster is sent to the future in order to help cure his chronal leprosy by Brainiac 5. He immediately jumps into action, helping the Legion with Validus. But the Legionnaires have never seen or heard of Booster. Uh, 945 years from now, uh, in 2966, Dawnstar will have been going to have been born. So happy negative 945th birthday. Doesn't look uh, a day not, over negative nine hundred something else. Nine forty-five. Yeah. That. Uh, so then we have nine hundred and seventy years from now, <laughs> uh, in on April twelfth, twenty nine ninety one, in the post-crisis timeline, the time trapper exchanges Tinuazo for the Durlin, sending the Durlin to Metropolis in the year twenty nine forty nine and sending Tinya to Cairn in the 20th century to take his place. Tinya is stricken with amnesia and joins the L-E-G-I-O-N as Faze. The Legion begins believes that Tinya has died in an interdimensional accident. And you can listen to that from Legion, L-E-G-I-O-N 89, number 9, in the L-E-G-I-O-N P-O-D-C-A-S-T, number 10. Uh, from Tinya's point of view and from the Durlin's point of view, that would be uh, Volume 4, Episode 8, which was covered in Episode 65 and redone in 561. Uh, but wait, there's more. What? In the, uh, in the five years later timeline, it was Glorith who sent Tinya to the 20th century, where she becomes phase of the L-E-G-I-O-N. Make and later up the, your mind. Jeez. And later the R-E-B-E-L-S. And that version was from Legion Volume 4, Annual 1, which we covered in Episodes 174 and redid it in 569. But wait, there's more. What? <laughs> On that same day, in the zero-hour timey-wimey timeline, which I think is the official <laughs> name for it, Yes. Uh, Glorith actually sent Tinya's cousin Inyawazo uh, to the 20th century, where, where she becomes... Where she becomes phase of the L-E-G-I-O-N. Meanwhile, Tinya is transported to September 1st, 2995 by the Time Trapper, where she is reunited with Jonah and her SW6 counterpart. And that will be coming later this fall on the L-E-G-I-O-N-P-O-D-C-A-S-T and next spring on the uh, Legion of Subs. There you go. Let's not get so into three- the identity there. Yes. Which Trapper? No, because that's really going to get confusing. Are we sure Tinya just wasn't one of the uh, Spidey clones at this point? <laughs> I mean, everyone uh, else has been, so why not? Has the Spider clone saga happened yet in 93? I think Ooh, that's, that's a good question. 
Yeah. Is this the SW6 clone tinia or just the normal tinia? This is the original tinia, okay. adult tinia, who is definitely not Enya and definitely not a third triplicate body. That whole thing is is pretty messed up. Yeah, it's it's very yeah. messed up. Sorry, nine, no, yeah, it didn't start until 1994. Ah, so. just there, yeah. just yeah. barely there. So she's she's not a spider clone then. There, there you I, have okay. it. Although I the other know. one happened in the 70s, so you know that's where all this started, right? Uh, 1973. So it's all fair game. And Michael, when you say when you say that she's definitely not this and definitely not that, I'm not sure we can trust your opinions because you didn't you say Garth was definitely not Prody? Because you know. well, it depends on which timeline you're talking about. All in of the them. The pre Mordreverse. The pre five years later, he was not, but the five years later version, he was. Well, they didn't. They didn't oh, reveal oh, what he was. <laughs> Very funny. We just know from this issue that Joe is definitely not interested in Bale Mist. He's yes. not over tenure. Well, I, I also think he he didn't want to have to deal with Crazy Hands McGee with all the you know weaponry and the metal on him either. Oh yeah, yeah. He he can smell a trap, and that yeah. definitely was a trap for yeah, sure. Like, Stay so, away from me, Cable. Yeah, I mean you um... you is trouble, and your man is even more trouble. So no, thank you. <laughs> so. Fire, yeah. what's his name? Yeah, Fire fire Fisting. Which, fire. If you go by that name in my circles, yeah, that's a whole other issue, really. So. Yeah, yeah we're not going to go there. No. <laughs> Speaking of Icy Hot and Tiger Bomb, yeah, no thank you. <laughs> no, thank you, sir. Oh, my. Mm. He went there. He went there. Yeah, of I course always he did. do. Of course he did. You, you know, and you guys put up stop signs, acting like that's going to stop me, and I fucking roadrunner. And, and, and it's funny because you know, <laughs> Travis already talked about a fire at the backside. So um, uh, that, <laughs> there you go. Goodness gracious me! Uh, I think that's as good as any a time to uh, to wrap things <laughs> up. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Brent. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me again, guys. Always a pleasure, sir. All right, folks, if you want to uh, send us your feedback, you can reach us at Legion of Substitute Podcasters at gmail.com. You can also head over to our Facebook group, which is found at <laughs> facebook.legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com. Uh, we are on the Twitter. We are LOSP Podcast. And in addition to all those things, you can head over to our website, legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com where you can leave a comment on this or any episode. And with that, we make our way back into the time bubble and uh, we're gonna just set aside this it's all full of zombies and pink fuzz and spider clones and we will see you all next week. Go get your shots, kids. <laughs>